0: morning to you. How are you today? Yeah! Man, what a day to be alive in Austin, Texas. This weather, who doesn't wake up today and just go, yes! Break out your down jackets It got down into the 50s. It's amazing. Hey, real quickly, also, speaking of a great day to be alive and amazing, you want to mark your calendars for two weeks from today. Two weeks from today, October the 31st. Some people call it Halloween. We have a massive, massive special event, super sweet Sunday at church on Halloween Sunday, October the 31st, and that day we will have on campus, free O-Charge, that's right, free 99, Gordo's, donuts, and goodies. I'm telling you, you don't wanna miss this because not only, is it Super Sweet Sunday on October the 31st? We have a massive, say massive, massive. Massive. announcement. I've already said too much. I can't tell you any more about it yet, but two weeks from today, October the 31st, you want to make sure that you are at church on campus. To that end, as a matter of fact, Let's welcome in those who are worshiping online with us this morning. Glad y'all are here. Glad to have you. And we hope to see you on October the 31st on site because there's some things that will happen here that will not be happening online. It's nothing that we take against you all. There are just some things that we can't fit through the interweb. So that's coming up on the 31st. It's going to be a great, great day. Today... We are in the fourth week of this teaching series that we've been in for the last few weeks, Faith Works. And what we're after is a a deeper, a more profound understanding of the relationship between our faith in Christ and our work in the world. What we do, the things that we create and generate as a function of our faith, and we've kind of been moving, if you'll notice the progression of this teaching series and where we have been and where we are going, we're moving from the conceptual to the concrete. We're, we're moving and working on taking ideas and putting them into practice. We started with the first week in the truth, the, the fact that we have the grace of God, not because of anything that we have done, because of our works, but because of grace, because of the unmerited, undeserved, unearnable favor of God. And so it's not our, we don't get grace because we have worked. We work because we got grace. And that's a very, very important progression to keep in mind. We've also talked about the fact that once you come to an understanding of just how amazing God's grace is, then you begin to work out your salvation. You work out this Faith relationship with God, the Bible says, in fear and trembling. And last week, we talked about the fact that as you discern what God wants you to do, how and why we do what we do, remember, is greater than what and where we do what we do. And and that's very, very true. But I think this week, as we pick this series back up again, at a certain point, you do have to decide what you're going to do. You do have to decide where you're going to plant your flag and just exactly what will you do, what will I do as an expression of living in and living out the amazing grace of God. What we're after today is vocational training, vocational training. Training. Now, usually when we think of vocational training, we think about a very specific type of education so that you can get a very specific job, like a, a dental hygienist or an x ray technician or a master plumber or a welder, something very, very specific. But in a spiritual sense, vocational training is something that is available to everyone. Say everyone. Everyone, everyone who goes by the name Christ follower. If you're a follower of Christ, this vocational training is not only available to you, it is actually, and bless you, it is actually something that God calls us to cultivate and to develop in our lives. Vocational training is just this. Vocational training in the spiritual sense is discerning divine directions, Discerning divine directions. It's figuring out what you're going to do with your life, but also figuring out the different turns that you're going to take according to God's leading in your life. This, this is how God takes, takes our, our gifts and our talents, our emotions and our experiences, all of the things that, that comprise our personhood to advance his purposes and it's, it's within this, this vocational training that we learn to discern the Word of God. We learn to discern the leading of God in and through our lives. It is a powerful, powerful thing that I have observed over the years is present in far too few of our lives. The number of people that that you and I know who are definitively and definitely pursuing the divine directions of God in their lives is incredibly small on a percentage basis. Now that doesn't mean that we're necessarily bad people. It just means that we've never learned how to develop this skill of vocational training. A vocation, a vocation is not just a job. Vocation is not just a paycheck or your nine to five. A vocation is a calling, a calling from God on your life, a calling from God on my life. And as such, it is absolutely divine in nature. That that means that it is a really, really big deal. You you might remember a few weeks ago in in a worship service, we took just a moment and just kind of stopped and paused to consider the fact that God had created you on purpose, like he, he's created me on purpose, that, that he decided you would be in existence. And we kind of sat in that for a second and and let ourselves get to that place of kind of a, a hopefully an overwhelming awe that, that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords decided you would exist. He decided I would exist. And, and The Bible says that that he created us, that he knew us before he formed us. That means that he singled out your soul before you were ever a gleam in your parents' eyes. That, That means that he shaped you and formed you. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. This is God. Now, I want you to take that deep thought, and we're going to add to it today, the reality that this same God, this same King of kings, the Lord of lords, in his magnificent, omniscient, all-knowing mind, not only created you on purpose, he created you with a purpose, that that he has something for you to do in this world, that that he, he does, in fact, have a calling for you. And if that doesn't just kind of knock you out of your theater seat this morning, you're not paying attention. To understand that God wants to use you. He wants to work with you, to collaborate with you. You know, I've told y'all before that I'm, I'm kind of a, I love music. I'm, I'm not a great musician. I, I certainly can't sing very well, but I love music. And I'm, I'm always fascinated By the art of songwriting, like I I just think it's a fascinating skill to be able to to write something that will last for three and a half minutes and can absolutely move you and and take you to a different place is an incredible thing. I remember when I was in college, I sat down in in a restaurant here in Austin and seated across from me in the booth next to me was Lyle Lovett. Now, if if you don't know the name Lyle Lovett, you need to get out more, but Lyle is one of the most (laughs) gifted songwriters that has ever walked the earth. Can I just tell you, if Lyle Lovett called me and said, Hey, Mac, I remember meeting you 40 years ago in Austin. And I I remember just talking to you, and you seemed like you would be good with words. I would love to write songs with you. (laughs) Color me there. I would be all over that, like white on rice. Do you understand that God wants to collaborate with you? God wants you to participate in what he's doing in this world. I think the testimony and the story that we just heard from Alan Graham about responding to the call of God on his life to begin Mobile Loaves and Fishes, to just take the next step. He didn't have community first even in mind when they started Mobile Loaves and Fishes. He just knew that God was calling them to serve the underserved in our city. They started started just handing out peanut butter and jelly sandwiches out of the back of a station wagon. It's not real sexy, but it's the call of God. And it is through taking the next step that we learn where and how to collaborate with God. Because this is divine direction, I think we have to begin with a caveat. We, we We have to start with a warning and understand We don't throw around calling lightly. We don't flippantly say, I feel led. We have to be so careful, so careful that we're not using the term calling or being led to just justify what we feel like doing. A lot of times this can happen, especially, man, if you've been around church a long time, you kind of learn the lingo. And if you say, God's calling me, who can argue with that? God, God's calling me out of my marriage. No, he's not. <laughs> God's, God's called me to do a great work, and so I've lied to other people about what I'm doing and why I'm doing. No, he's not. That is not how God calls and leads. If God's calling you to something, it will never contradict Scripture and it will never call you to sin. Never. So be very careful. Now, if, if we're talking about where you're going to eat dinner, if we're talking about um, where you're going to go on vacation, just say, I feel like going to Franklin Barbecue. I feel, do you know what i mean? I feel God's leading me. I feel like God's leading me to Ruth's Chris tonight. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying he never would. I'm just saying... You just want a good steak. So be very, very careful about using this language. God is leading me. God is calling me. The ditches are littered with people who have thrown that around just willy-nilly to justify their own desires. We have to be very, very careful about that. Now, when we talk about a calling, this can be what we're gonna do with our lives, This can be what we're going to do in our lives, step by step. Sometimes the calling changes, sometimes it doesn't. This is why it requires constant engagement with God. Romans chapter 12, I think, puts a fine, fine point on this idea of calling. Romans chapter 12 says, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. In his grace, in his grace, you have gifts and talents that I don't have. You have experiences and emotions. You, all of these things go into who we are that God then calls out of us in and through work. Now, some of you may be thinking, calling, calling. That sounds, I, I man. I I, I want to know what it is. I want to I want to get there. And, and I think hopefully today will help you do that. Some of you are thinking, "Ooh, calling, man. That just that just I don't know. I don't know." And and I wanna I wanna say something to everyone, no matter where you are on that continuum. We have to understand that there are in fact costs to a calling. If you answer the call of God on your life, it will, in fact, cost you something. Jesus himself said, count the cost of following him. He gave the example. He said, you don't go start to build a huge tower without deciding how much it's going to cost and seeing if you have the capital to do it. You have to count the cost. But there are also some immeasurable eternal benefits to a calling. So, real quickly, let's just do a cost-benefit analysis of calling. Costs of a calling. Number one, if you follow the calling of your God, calling of God on your life, there will be haters. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, haters gonna hate. Hater's gonna hate. If you follow the call of God on your life, there will be haters. There will be people who criticize you. Facebook ring any bells? The tweeter? Can I tell you how many people I have unfollowed on Twitter in the last year and a half? And my life is exponentially better, richer, and fuller. I I, I started realizing how many people on Twitter are just trying to stir the pot. You know what I mean? (laughs) I was like, I I don't want to live like that. But if you follow the calling of God on your life, there will be haters. There will be people who criticize, who critique. Just just know that it's there. The second cost of a calling is FOMO. FOMO, the fear of missing out. You don't know how many times people choose to not follow the calling of God because they're afraid they're going to miss out on something. As if the calling of God could be less than whatever blesses your life most fully and richly. But that fear of missing out, it, it's, man, it's part of the human condition ever since Genesis chapter 3. Remember Genesis 3? Sin enters the world through Adam and Eve. And Eve is there in the garden doing spiritual combat with Satan by herself. Adam, we don't know where he was. Eve is there with Satan. And she starts to look at the one thing that God has said was off limits. The one thing that he had said, trust me, you don't need that. And what was the thing that was most appealing to her? The thing that Satan drew her attention to? And she started to go, oh, it's a beautiful tree. It has some lovely fruit on it. If God wants me to be happy, I'm, surely that is part of it. And, and, it's, it's FOMO, man. It's the fear of missing out. Can I tell you something? The call of God on your life will cause you to miss things. The call of God on your life will, in fact, cause you to miss things, but it will never cause you to miss anything that you'll miss. Ever. Trust God. When you begin to sense his leading and is calling you in a certain direction, trust him that this is good. He's good, so he's not gonna call you to something that's bad. But you will miss out on some things, you just won't miss those things because of who God is and how he operates. So you got haters, you got FOMO. And then the last cost, opposition. Opposition is different than haters. Opposition is people who actively Work against your calling and it will happen. And I, and I tell you this not to scare you off from the calling, but just to give you an awareness so you know what you're walking into. It's part of counting the cost, is knowing what the cost will be. There will be opposition, there will be people who work against you as you pursue God's calling for your life. But what about the benefits? What about the benefits of a calling? I have to tell you, in the last two years as as a pastor, I've I've come back over and over and over and over and over and over and over again to my calling. When when the world tells you you can't meet as a church, just for the record, that's kind of what church does. And so you kind of go, okay, wait, what's our calling? What, what are we as a church family called to? And, and then, man, what's, what's my calling? And this is what I come back to over and over again. The benefits of a calling. Number one, confidence. When you know your calling, when you're pursuing your calling, you have a certain confidence that God is in it. Now, it's not necessarily certainty, but it's confidence when you understand god's in this and, and though i may not see the end result i don't know exactly where the destination is but i do know the next right step to take you have confidence take okay we'll take that step here i am this this idea of of confidence that because god is in it keeps us away from cocky but we move in confidence number 2 power When you have a calling from God on your life, you move in the power of God. The power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says, is available to all of us. Think about that for a second. Think about if you walked into work tomorrow morning, Monday, early, because you're walking in the power of God. Because you're beginning to, maybe not... Resign from that job and go over here, but because you now see this job as a calling from God, as, as an opportunity for his purposes through your personhood, that, that gives you a, a, new, a new energy, a new swagger. It's, a, it's this idea that, that it's not up to me exclusively, but it is God's power through me that is at work. Number three, Joy. When you pursue a calling from God, you you have a joy that transcends your circumstances. You're able to to sometimes, in a way, kind of whistle past the graveyard. Because you understand that God has called you to something bigger than yourself and bigger than the circumstances around you. Calling brings in a joy that transcends circumstances and situations. but i saved i think the best for the last the four and i know that we had three costs and there are four benefits but just deal with it <laughs> grit grit the bible calls it perseverance it is the grit to keep on keeping on it's 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 staying power it's not the power to stay, it's the power that comes from staying. Grit. Remember, remember how to remember grit? God-honoring, relentless, intentional tenacity. God-honoring, relentless, intentional tenacity. You just, you, you just pitbull that thing and you ain't letting go with Joy. grit it's grit you choose grit over quit and you keep going I've noticed because I've asked every person I know who has pursued a calling in their lives over time Everyone without exception, everyone without exception has thought about quitting. I have never met an exception to that rule. If you've seen someone faithful over time in their marriage, if you've seen someone faithful over time in their calling from God, I promise you they have thought about quitting. Now, I haven't spoken to every single one of them about all of the reasons why, but my common sense and my experience tells me that there's a common thread that runs through those who don't quit, that runs through those who choose grit, and it's the calling. It's the calling of God on your life. When you know that God has called you to something, you don't quit. You stay after it because it's not about you. Matter of fact, turn to your neighbor right now and tell him it's not about you. It's about him and what he's called you to. So, man, you, you could walk out of here and go, calling, that's it. How do you discern your calling? How do you discern those divine directions? I want you to write down, maybe on your phone, you can use your thumbs, or you can write down on a piece of paper if you've got it, the word call, just C-A-L-L. And these are guideposts to pray through. Guideposts to ask godly people in your life about your life. The word call, we'll make this a little interactive, all right? So give me a C. C. C stands for contribution. What is your contribution to this world? What is your contribution to your family? What is your contribution to your company, to your school, to your team, to whatever it might be? What's your contribution? What do you have to offer? I promise you. You've got gifts and talents, experiences and emotions, abilities and aptitudes that God wants to use. What's your contribution going to be? You see, a lot of times we get, sideline, we get sidetracked in pursuing a calling because instead of contribution, we think about compensation. Now, I'm not minimizing the fact that we have to have money to eat and to live and to breathe and to function don't, don't, don't get crazy on me. But if you settle the contribution issue, the compensation issue will take care of itself. Contribution. What will you contribute? A. Give me an A. Come on. You know what? Let's do better than that. All right. We're, we're, we're spurring the horse to the barn on this one, so let's finish strong. Give me an A. A. Aptitude. What are your aptitudes, the things that you kind of na- just naturally do well. We're not talking even about spiritual gifts necessarily, but what do you do well? Are you a math and science person or an English and history person? Are you a, are you a creative? What do you do well? You start to operate in your giftings, in your talents, aptitude, goes a long, long way toward overcoming anxiety about a calling. Aptitude versus anxiety. Focus on what you do well. Focus on what you do well. Aptitude, aptitude. L, give me an L. L. Love. What do you love to do? What what are you passionate about? The Bible says that love covers over a multitude of sins in our relationships with each other. We we can make a lot of mistakes, but if we truly love each other, that helps to cover over the mistakes that we make, the sins that we commit. Love covers over a multitude of sins. Passion. If If you're working in something that you love, if you're working at something that you love, you're going to have a tough time quitting. Now, you're going to have, you're going to have bad days. Every, nobody's job is always fun. That's why it's called work. But if you're doing it for a purpose bigger than yourself, if you're doing it as a part of a calling from God, something that you love to do, what are you passionate about? Another thing that you can think about with, within the context of love What are the things that stir your heart? What are the things that that cause you grief? It's been said many times that your misery will be your ministry. There's something in that. What what are you passionate about seeing corrected and restored and redeemed in this world? That, That can point you toward what you love, what you're passionate about. Now, I know on this one I saved the most significant, the most important for last. We've got one more L, so let's finish strong. Give me an L. L. Leading. It is the leading from God. This means that you pray about it, you, you talk to God. You ask God to lead you. Now, I have, I have never in my life 55 wonderful years, I have never heard the audible voice of God. I think it'd be cool. I would love to. But I have not had that blessing. I haven't had that experience. But the leading of God means that through prayer, through godly counsel, you sense spiritually God impressing certain things upon your spirit, upon your mind and it requires engaging with him. It requires connecting with him. Yes, we go to other people for counsel, people who know us well, people who will tell us what we need to hear and not just what we want to hear. But when it's all said and done, it's ultimately about the leading from God. The leading from God. I left something out under love. Let me just go back and pick that up real quick. Think about love versus labor. Think about love versus labor. Think about choosing to look at what you do every single day as a function of your faith and choosing to love it. You choose to look at it as a get-to instead of a got-to. You get to do this. Not, I gotta go do this. It's not just a labor, it's a love. And when we talk about a leading from God, when we talk about a leading, leading as opposed to just kind of a landing, just kind of, well, here I am. I just, I just ended up here. But when you engage with God, when you seek his leading, you begin to pursue and respond to his call on your life. And that's where the good stuff shows up, where you start to engage with him because of this this thing called amazing grace. And you pursue the call of God. You, You develop that vocational training where you are constantly, constantly asking God, what's next? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? How do I serve you most and best? It's the call of God on your life that makes faith work. It's the call of God that called you into a relationship with him in the first place. It's the call of God that sent Christ to the cross. It's the call of God that caused Christ to leave his rightful place in heaven to become one of us, full of grace and truth. It's the call of God that invites you into a relationship with this same Jesus. Would you mind bowing your heads for just a moment? I wanna invite you in this moment to consider the call of God into relationship with him. The call of God into relationship with him. The call of God that invites you, invites me into a relationship of faith of trusting him more than we trust ourselves. If you're here today and you have never stepped into that, you've never owned that personally, then we wanna give you the opportunity to do that right now. Whether you're in the room or you're online, to pray a prayer of beginning. Just silently, from your heart to God's, pray something like this. Jesus, I need you. I need your grace and forgiveness. And so I confess my sin to you, holding nothing back, in order to receive your grace and forgiveness. And Lord, in this moment, I confess you as the Lord of my life, the director of my life and I will follow you from this moment forward. I pray this prayer in your name. Just for a moment, if you would, remain with your heads bowed. If that was your prayer, then I want you to know you're in the perfect place because you're surrounded by people who wanna help. As a church family, we want to help with what's next. So a couple of of things that we would ask of you, if you would, just let us know that God did that in your life. If you're online, you can let us know at the place that's there on the screen. If you're here in the room, as you leave in just a moment at the Hub, just take a moment, make a moment to just say, hey, today was my day. We just want to get something to you that that will help you to take the next step in this relationship. Second of all, if you are here and that was your prayer, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand and hold it up in the air for a moment as a statement physically of the commitment spiritually that you just made. And know that as a church, we're right there with you. And our family tradition here is that you can put your hands down, but we're going to put our hands together and tell you welcome home. Welcome home.